If you've been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest is Kate Erickson. Kate Erickson is the heartbeat at Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast where John Lee Dumas interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are truly on fire. She is also the co-author of the podcast journal, Idea to Launch in 50 Days. Her goal is to help entrepreneurs achieve financial and lifestyle freedom. Kate Erickson is the heartbeat, the machine behind the scenes for Entrepreneurs on Fire. She shares about accepting her gift of administration and how her role is more important than just a secretary. Embracing her gifts has allowed her to thrive and serve their growing business. We also share about building or rebuilding their business around the lifestyle they desire. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. Just looking forward to a great conversation. Yeah, same. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Absolutely. So obviously you got your start a little different than most, I think, I mean, entrepreneurs, because you were coming alongside um, John. And and I think you had a an identity shift, right? You felt like the things you loved were not valuable as an entrepreneur or were connected to to negative things or corporate things. Can you talk a little bit about that shift and what what uh, what made you what empowered you? Yeah, definitely. So it was uh, 2011. I had been working in a corporate setting for, well, my entire career uh, up to that point. Um, But I had been in the exact same position for about three and a half years. And I was I was in like my mid to late 20s at the time. So I was kind of getting a little bit anxious about, you know, I wanted to work my way up. I wanted to see the potential to be in a management position or, you know, be able to support myself outside of just like making rent every month. Um, And I got a job opportunity, a a promotion within the company that I was very excited about. Um, And last minute, very long story short, last minute, they told me that they decided to hire outside the company for the position. And that was, yeah, it was a huge ouch. I was bitter. I was upset. I was disappointed. Um, Like the whole gamut of emotions, I felt them all. And that day I vowed to quit that job and I did not know what entrepreneurship was. I did not know how on earth I was going to quit this job and magically make something work. But um, I just knew that I couldn't stay there anymore. So my transition into entrepreneurship was I kind of felt like my back was up against the wall, like either this is what I continue doing and I'd be miserable or I figure something else out. So I decided to take the route of figuring something else out. And that worked out very well for me. Like, you know, today, hindsight's 2020. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Well, and and the second part was some of the things that, that you love to do. Um, it, it seemed like administrative, secretarial things and, you know, spreadsheets, to-do lists, projects. Yes. Um, didn't seem like something that a, a business owner would, would be you know, enthusiastic about doing. 
And so can you talk a little bit about that identity shift as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very much into project management. I'm good at somebody sharing a vision with me and then me figuring out how to make that happen, whether it be researching new tools, um, putting many pieces together to make it work. Uh, I'm not like so much a visionary per se, but I am like very good at putting pieces together and making things work. To me, before I became an entrepreneur and started experiencing that in the work that I do today, I thought, oh, that's admin stuff, right? Um, it's not going to help grow a business. It's not going to earn me a living. Um, I just, I looked at those skills as only something I could contribute to like a massive corporation who needed somebody sitting at the front desk. What I came to realize is, so when John asked me to join the Entrepreneurs on Fire team, my biggest thing is that I didn't want to become the administrator of this company. I wanted to have like an active role in creating new things and making an impact and, and all of these different things. But when we sat down and started verbalizing what our skills and weaknesses were, so all the things that we were very strong at and all the things that we were weak at, we realized that all the things that John is very strong at, I'm pretty weak at. And it turned out the flip side was true as well. So it kind of made me look at those skills in a new light, that attention to detail, that being able to work a spreadsheet, that looking at financials and running numbers and um, you know, being able to look at a complex set of steps and see what a system for that might look like. It made me look at it in a way of like, oh, if if I have the other side of like the things that I'm not good at and I compare what I'm good at with that, then that would work really well. And uh, and that's what we ended up doing. That's so, so terrific. So obviously you're in a relationship and how, how is your relationship been impacted by, by working together? I mean, in the most awesome way possible. I know, I know that working together is not for every couple and I have so many friends and colleagues who are like, I can't believe you guys do that. I don't know how you do that. Um, and I was very hesitant about it in the beginning when John first asked me to quit the job that I was at and join him on the team. We had only been dating for, I mean, we'd been dating for maybe a year at that point. So um, I was very skeptical about it. I didn't want it to interfere with our personal relationship. But what I found as we joined together and started sharing this vision and this mission for this business, um, our relationship only grew stronger and more aligned. And it's really incredible when you're working towards the same goals and the same vision as your partner, not only in life, but in a business that you've created together as well. Um, it, it's beyond what I ever could have imagined in the beginning. That's so terrific. And, and I, and I appreciate that. My, my wife is my partner as well and, oh, awesome. and building our business together and, and, and she's wrestling a little bit too, because her her skill set is sounds very similar to yours, and so ah. appreciate, appreciate you sharing and and uh, I and 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 she's also working full time, so we're we're in that oh, transition wow. stage of pulling her out of that, and uh, she's also at the point of she might just quit at any moment. So <laughs> that's very exciting. It, it is absolutely. 
So on the, on the time management side of, of things, um, you, you seem to be gifted as far as, you know, productivity and, and helping people. What are, what are some suggestions for helping people have a better handle or control on, on using their time? Yeah, I, I think that the the biggest um, block that people face in um, not being able to work productively and effectively is that the focus is not there and the discipline is not there. Um, as entrepreneurs and business owners, and you know, many of us maybe just starting a business, it kind of feels like you're drinking from a fire hose. There are a hundred different things that you could be doing at any moment in time, and sometimes a lot of those things can feel equally important. Um, but being able, my, my best advice and what really helps me when I feel like I have a lot going on and I just don't even know where to start, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I don't know what my priority is, is doing like a brain dump of just everything that's in my head, all the tasks, projects, um, all, all, anything that you feel like is a to do, if you can get that all out on paper and start to visualize uh, what those things are in relation to what your next most important step is, you know, things like creating a Facebook page for your business become, you know, not so important when another thing on your list might be finding an interview for your next podcast episode. Um, so, but it's all dependent on your goals too. So you have to be clear about what your goals are so that when you do see a list of maybe 25, 30, 50 things that you want to get done, that you can say, okay, I'm going to do all of these things at some point in time, but I can't do them all right now. So let me look at what my goal is right now and cherry pick the items on my list that are actually going to help me get closer to that goal. Because oftentimes, you know, maybe we don't have a ton to drive or maybe we're exhausted from doing something else in the morning and it's the afternoon time now. And we'll just subconsciously or consciously pick whatever the easiest tasks are that we don't really have to think about, right? And oftentimes those are tasks that aren't actually helping us get closer to our goals. So having it all out on paper is such a biggie for me. And I think that when you do that, you help yourself be able to have that focus and that discipline required to actually spend your time in a productive way. Hmm. So good. That, that's so valuable. One of the things for me with helping folks understand the power of entrepreneurship is, and I think that that you made this transition, right? You, you figure out what are, what are the things people are asking you for? What are the, what are the places people are asking you for help? Um, I think each of us were gifted with the plan or program or purpose that, that we can bless the world with, we can serve humanity with, and, and in embracing that ability to serve humanity, you, you become an entrepreneur and, and it and aligns, it creates a purpose and, and passion kind of together. Um, and, and I think recognizing what people are asking you for, what are you, what are they, what are they coming you to, to for help is one of those um, big hints to what that purpose might be. Absolutely. Especially when it's a recurring thing and you're not just hearing it from one people, but you know, maybe a handful of people. Definitely. Yeah. And, and so that, that was part of your transition too, right? Was, was recognizing that folks were, were coming to you and asking about time management and organization and, and you were able to help not only help those people, but recognizing the value of that giftedness 
Yeah, definitely. I It is because when you're just inside your head and looking at it from uh, a perspective of like kind of reflecting back on yourself, it can be really easy to fall into like that imposter syndrome of like, oh yeah, okay. I'm like, okay at spreadsheets and time management and, you know, attention to detail and stuff, but like, nah, that's not really so helpful to other people. But if you can take a step back and recognize that even, you know, some of your closest friends might come to you and say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling because I overbooked myself or, you know, and, or your parents come to you and say, Oh, I don't know what to do because they keep telling me that they can do it on Wednesday, but I can't do it on Wednesday. Like, some of the cues and some of the feedback that you'll receive um, that could help uncover what your true skills are, it's not always going to be super obvious. So you really have to pay attention and be, you know, hungry for that. Um, sometimes to be able to uncover it. it might come in the form of a question. It might come in the form of a comment. It, you know, might come in the form of an email. Um, so being being on the lookout for it and hearing it from other people is definitely incredibly helpful in building up that confidence and starting to recognize, oh, wow, I, this is this is every day for me. And it's stuff that I do without even thinking about it. And it's not that way for other people. And we all have a certain skills that are like that, um, that to us are just, you know, the easiest things in the world, but to other people are hard and a struggle. Absolutely. So you mentioned you mentioned confidence there and building up confidence. What what helped you build confidence? Obviously, you've done a lot with with John, but now last year you started your own podcast and and you're doing, you know, you're doing more and more um pub, out out and, you know, putting yourself out there. Yeah. It was just doing the things. I mean, honestly, the confidence that I've been able to build is of course the support around me. I mean, we talk a lot about the importance of surrounding yourself with supportive people who are on the same path as you, who, you know, can understand what it is that you're going through because they're either going through it too, or maybe they've gone through it in the past. Um, but having that support and encouragement around you is certainly critical. And John was that for me for a long time, you know, pushing me to try new things, to get out of my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, the inspiration of watching him do it and then getting to know other people online who were doing it too was really inspiring. Um, and then it was just up to me to actually take the next step and try and start doing that stuff. And so, you know, it started out with sending email newsletters for our company. I remember like in my first weeks um, as a part of the Entrepreneurs on Fire team, I took over our emails, um, sending out like newsletters and stuff. And I was so scared. I I felt like I was going to mess up. I was going to spell something wrong. The subject line wasn't going to be good. And I mean, we're emailing a list of like a few hundred people at the time, you know, it was, but to me, that was huge. That was a really big deal. And, uh, you know, it was, it was getting comfortable with uh, getting more comfortable with that and understanding like, okay, we're humans. We make mistakes. If I spell something wrong, it's not the end of the world. Our audience isn't going to leave us. Um, and then from the emails, it became writing content on our website. And I would publish a blog post and same thing. I'd be incredibly anxious about how people were going to react to it and what people were going to think of what I wrote and whether or not I said the right thing. And, you know, these doubts and fears continue with us on our journey for all time. 
the stakes just get higher, right? You know, it, it was emails and then it was content on the website and then it was the podcast and then it was speaking on stage and, you know, who knows, sky's the limit if you keep pushing it. But I absolutely built that confidence by proving to myself through taking the actions, through doing the things to know that, okay, I can send an email. It's going to be fine. People reply and they say that it's helpful and that's a confidence boost. And, you know, if you're, if you're in integrity and being authentic and true to your values and what you believe, and you feel that that's helping other people, then that I, I don't know how you could do it wrong. Oh, that's so good. I yeah. love that being in integrity with yourself and obviously, you know, being authentic and, and yeah, you, you might misspell a word, but the story you're telling is is going to touch lives and and impact the audience in the way that you want. Obviously, you know, building the audience, you, you know, back then it was a hundred people. And so, what were some of the most effective things in in building the audience? Well, in the very early days, our timing was incredibly lucky in the podcasting space because when John launched the podcast in 2012 podcasting certainly existed and a lot of people knew about it and a lot of people were publishing podcasts, but not like today. Um, so in 2012, when he started a daily podcast, a huge part of our audience growth was the fact that he was bringing on a new entrepreneur every single day on the podcast. And then that entrepreneur was sharing that episode with their audience. So every single day, a new episode publishes, a new entrepreneur shares it with their audience, which is, you know, growing and big. Um, and, and that was a huge snowball effect for us in, in growing the audience. Um, John speaking on stage at conferences, him connecting with his mentor, um, Jamie Masters, and becoming a part of Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast mastermind. Um, it was really about those connections about the uh, about the guests that we were having on the podcast and them sharing it. Um, and you know, a lot of it's word of mouth too. That's the beautiful thing about the world, the, the online world that we live in is, and just I think in general society now, it's oftentimes easier to just go to a friend and ask them like, hey, what podcast are you listening to right now? Or, you know, every time I pick up a new show or watch a documentary film or pick up a new podcast, Nine times out of 10, it's because somebody that I was chatting with told me about it. Um, so word of mouth marketing was also very powerful for us and mm. still is today. Absolutely. You mentioned connection. Obviously, there's connections both ways, connecting with an audience, connecting with other entrepreneurs, connecting with, you know, more famous people. Um, what, what would you say to someone you know, seeking to make some of those kinds of connections? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of at the very baseline can be as simple as making a list of 50 people you want to connect with. Um, you know, going online, maybe you already have 50 people in mind that you could, if you sat down and spent an hour or two hours, like really thinking about that, you could come up with 50 names of people you wanted to connect with. Maybe not. In which case you could go on Google, LinkedIn, you know, whatever platform you feel like your connections are on. Um, you could Google for research, uh, find other people in your industry or your niche and having a list of all of those names and then going down that list and finding each of those people online and following them, subscribing to their newsletters, reaching out to them on social media, 
um, liking their content, sharing their content. Um, there's a lot of ways to start to create that connection without, you know, a cold email to somebody that's probably, you know, going to get lost very quickly. Um, so I think that the more organic way of trying to find someone and follow them online on a social platform or through their website is a great first step to, to making those connections. I also think, you know, thankfully events and such are coming back. Um, if you know that somebody that you want to connect with is attending or speaking at a conference or there's a mixer or a presentation that you can go to where you know that someone that you want to meet is either speaking at or attending. Um, that's also a great way. I mean, you could literally go to an event with the only thought in mind. My goal of this entire weekend is to connect with this one person and, you know, people make it happen. Yeah, that's where you have to wait in the corners right before the speakers all walk by. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I've yep. seen it happen hundreds of times. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and the crazy thing, I started this podcast to serve entrepreneurs who are my audience and just had the intention of doing, you know, one episode a week and, you know, just see what happened and interview people that I thought would help benefit, you know, entrepreneurs and um Every person I interview, I just ask at the end, you know, who do you know that you'd be willing to introduce me to that you think would make a great guest? Well, they don't just introduce me to one. They introduce me to two or three. And and those two or three say yes. And then the next two or three say yes. And pretty soon I've got 20 episodes recorded. And I'm, so now we're releasing four a week because it's wow. it's just been, yeah, it's it's been that organic growth from people introducing me to people and and now I've interviewed people in the UK and Australia and, <laughs> that, that and that, awesome. you know, that wouldn't have been possible, you know, before, obviously before the internet, but even more recent as far as, as the, you know, the technology has gotten so much better to be able to record, you know, a mm -hmm. conversation with somebody halfway around the world. And uh, absolutely, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. And, and the organic growth, I guess the challenging thing with organic growth is it's, it always seems a little slower. Right? And yes. so, so that's the, that's, that's the piece you want it. You want it to just start to get that momentum and that traction. And, and in many ways, my, my podcast certainly has um, it in ways I had no idea, no, no intention of ever having it take on a life of its own. And it kind of really has. Um, that's wonderful. Well, I can imagine just going from one episode a week to four episodes a week was a huge bump for you. Oh, absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, month to month, we're doubling. Um, in fact, I think November already in the first three days, we'd, we'd hit almost the same numbers as October. And so it was like a huge jump. And so congratulations. So it, it, the, the numbers are weird though. So I, I don't know. <laughs> tracking, <laughs> tracking for podcasts is still, I don't know, feels funky. doesn't, it's, you know, it's not like yeah. Facebook can tell you exactly who listened to and what place on the planet and what time, how long right. and, uh, podcasts aren't quite there yet, but I think it's getting better and better. And so yeah. I'm glad to be a part of it now. And uh, it's kind of like planting a tree. You know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but you know, the next best time is right now. So I love it. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching and their Inner Circle Team Coaching. With a new team forming in January, limited seats are available. Apply during the month of December to be a part of this group coaching program. Add value, the number two, life.com. 
So obviously you and John have worked together now for quite a while, but what, what was the biggest challenge of working together and, and how did you guys push through it? Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, I think that there was a time, well, I know that there was a time um, where John and I had taken the business to a place where things were happening so fast and we had such strong momentum and both of us were just, you know, rearing and ready to go and we wanted to continue growing and we started launching more stuff and we started hiring more team members and it was really exciting and things were going great and we loved it. Um, and one day, one day, one of our contractors who we had brought on to help us kind of work out five different projects. Um, she was in charge of all of those projects. She built plans around them. She had goals set and all these things. And then um, right as we were about to start, she told us that she couldn't finish the contract. And we're like, gosh, we just put a lot of time and effort into working with this person, hiring them. We were paying a hefty monthly retainer for this work. Um, and that was a big challenge for us because in that moment, not only were we sitting here with five projects that we did not have the bandwidth to manage ourselves, which is why we hired her, um, but it made us realize that we were kind of taking our business down a path that neither of us wanted. We didn't want a business that was in control of our time and required us 24-7 and that we had to be stressing out over, you know, on a regular basis. Obviously, as a business owner, you carry huge responsibility because you are in charge of everything that happens in your business, regardless of how many employees you have or where they are or what they're doing. Um, and so that was a that was a tough uh, experience because we basically shifted our, the trajectory of our business in terms of um, we cut about half of the people that we were working with. We got rid of almost all of our contractors. I think we had like seven contractors at the time, um, five or six uh, virtual team members. We went down to three virtual team members and we cut all of our contractors. And we really started looking at our business from the perspective of how can we create the biggest impact while still creating the lifestyle that we want. And um, it was a big shift and there was a lot of changes that happened um, quite fast. But uh, I mean, we, uh, you know, we obviously made it through. It was a great decision. We we're both really happy about it. But, um, you know, I think just being on the same page and being able to take that step back and instead of, you know, in that moment, just saying, OK, we just need to keep pushing harder, you know, regardless of if she left, we still need to do these projects. We still need to hire, we need to hire somebody else to help us now. We're still going to do this. We were able to take a step back and say, okay, this is a big wake up call right now. This is showing us what it is that we're creating and that's not what we want to create. So, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Another fantastic reason that working with a partner is so amazing and, I mean, we're lucky to be together and be partners because I have, you know, other feelings on business partnerships outside of relationships. But, um, you know, being there for each other was certainly a huge help. I love that. I love that you recognized, obviously, it's a, a rude wake up call to 
to have those kind of things in the pipeline and, and realize, whoa, we, we've gotten carried away and and mm -hmm. this isn't matching the lifestyle that, that we want to live and, and being able to build a business around the lifestyle that you want um, requires choices, right? And And if you get distracted by the success and the momentum and you miss the turn, you know, at a certain point, it, it be, probably would be even harder to get back to, wait, this is the lifestyle we wanted. We, 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 we passed it right up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So good for you guys that you recognized it and, and were able to, uh, to make hard choices. I imagine in, in, in downsizing and, and reorganizing in a way that matches the lifestyle that, that you want to live. Um, but yeah. that's the reason many people get into entrepreneurship is to, to have, a specific kind of lifestyle that a typical nine to five corporate job doesn't allow. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you entrap yourself by creating a nine to five corporate environment, <laughs> um, you end up exactly where you didn't want to go. So, Right. Right. And it happens, I, I think probably more than you would expect. <laughs> I bet it does. Yeah. yeah. Because the expectations uh, of from the world around, right. Um, you know, people calling, asking, hey, would you do this? Hey, would you do that? Hey, could you guys mm -hmm. do this? Hey, speak here. Hey, get on this show. Hey, do this. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, all these things are great. And let's partner here. Let's collaborate here. Let's do this. And yeah. and it's growing and growing and growing because I think the natural tendency when you're a, a go-getter and hard charger is growth, right? Growth. And, mm -hmm. and if you don't target that growth and plan it around the lifestyle that you want, you end up with the growth that the world wanted. <laughs> All on other people's agendas. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is exactly why we became entrepreneurs because we wanted to work on our own. Right. Agenda. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned you mentioned some mentors. What what have mentors meant for your growth and your journey? Oh gosh, they've been. Um, you know, the mentors that I've had have, I mean, shown me what's possible, which was very important at the points that. Like I remember the first mentor that I ever hired and it was when I tried to start my own business completely solo. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. This was right after I quit that job that I was speaking about earlier. And, you know, her support and and her experience showed me what was possible in a arena that I had never stepped in before. Um, so I think that that's been a huge part of mentorship for me is just thinking bigger and being able to see and realize possibilities that I wouldn't have ever dreamed up on my own. Um, and I think that that's really important because if you have a cap for where you think you can go or a limit to where you think you can go, then you'll never go past that. But if you have someone who can help you see beyond that, then you can then you can absolutely get there. Um, so that's been, I think, probably the biggest thing with mentorship for me. Nice. Now, obviously, you've started your own podcast, and how how did you choose your your niche? How did you how did you decide who who it was you wanted to to reach? Um, so my podcast, Ditch Busy, uh, came from kind of a lot of what we've been talking about throughout this episode. Is people kept coming to me about time management. And feel like everybody that I talked to seemed like they were overwhelmed. And I thought, huh, kind of maybe for 
no, not the first time in my life, but in recent memory, I'm not overwhelmed at all. I feel great about the work that I'm doing. I feel great about the time freedom and the financial freedom and the lifestyle freedom that I have. And all these people are coming to me, talking to me about how stressed out they are and how they don't feel like they can get anything done because they're so overwhelmed and they don't know where to start and their calendar's too crazy. And so I thought, huh, well, I could talk about that <laughs> and I could help people with that. Um, so I came up with the podcast Ditch Busy to help people you know, really be able to take a step back and look at time management from a different perspective. Because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs look at time management and they look at systems and they think like, that's not for me. I'm not, I'm not good at that. Or that takes too long or, you know, insert any number of excuses. And I thought if I could present this in a way that is just so simple and that people can understand from just an everyday life perspective, I mean, like a lot of my episodes on Ditch Busy talk about how I go to the grocery store and how I batch cook my meals. Like it's not all about business. And I think that when people can look at it from a personal perspective like that, that it's a lot easier to apply it to business. So it was really just about helping people understand that every single choice that we make is tied to our time. Mm. And if there's one thing that everybody wants more of, it's time. And if you want more time, you have to start thinking about your choices differently. So if you say that you want to be in a particular place in six months from now, every decision that you make is going to affect whether or not you can get there. Um, and so if the actions that you're taking today are not in alignment with where you say you want to go and where you want to be, then it's not going to work. And so that was kind of like the underlying um, purpose of the podcast is to help people, even if, even if somebody just took away that, that like, hey, every time I choose to do something, it means that it's taking up my time. And if I choose to do things that aren't in alignment with where I want to be, then I can't get there. And if you can just really have a think on that, then you will start to look at your schedule, at your to-do list, at your commitments a lot differently. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously for entrepreneurs, every minute counts, right? Every, how we spend every minute. And, and that includes, you know, I'm not saying take away time from your family. I'm saying plan time for your family. And if yes. you want more time for your family and for your business, batch cooking meals, is, is a great way to capture some time. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught in that space where I don't have time to get organized, right? I don't have time to organize my email and, and, and they're dragging, they're dragging these things out where if they took an hour and, and got organized, it would free up an extra 30 minutes every day and they'd make up that time in the first week. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like I, the you're... batch cooking. So you're speaking my language. <laughs> well, it's it's making that transition, right? To to recognizing if you get this organized and you have a system in place for processing it, the processing goes so much faster week to week rather than but it does take that upfront work and that upfront work mm -hmm. is the stuff they're afraid of. Yes. Yep. Every time. Every time. Yeah. I mean, it's no different with budgeting. Meal planning is like budgeting your meals you know, budgeting your money and, and, and people feel like they, their life's out of control, but they don't want to do the things that it takes to, to, 
to have control <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and of course the discipline to stick to, you know, their plans, whether it be their time or their money. Right. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to switch things up a little bit. What's your, your most memorable date together? Oh, John and I most memorable date. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just, this is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, so is there's this, it's the first time we ever went out to eat together and we went to this Italian restaurant, um, in Pacific beach in San Diego, California, that restaurant's unfortunately closed now. Um, but it was called cafe Bella Italiana, I believe. And, um, and it was a it was a wonderful evening. It kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know that we were going out on dates, but he asked me out and we walked there. We were able to walk there from our apartment and uh, we lived next door to each other. So that's how we met. So we each walked, <laughs> you know, we weren't living together at the time, but we walked to the restaurant, had a great dinner, great conversation, uh, went for a walk on the beach afterwards. And yeah, it was our very first date ever. Nice. So what do you what do you love to do in your free time? I've just been getting back into tennis recently. Uh, the community that we live in has a tennis club. Um, and so I've been playing a lot of tennis recently, which I really enjoy doing. We also have an 18 month old puppy. So <laughs> he keeps me very busy <laughs> going on walks and such. Um, yeah. Nice. So so what inspires Kate? What inspires me? You know, I'm I'm very inspired by the idea that there are a lot of people, you know, I talked about when I was working in corporate America, how I didn't realize that you could, you know, kind of shape your own future and do things your way and create your own business and create lifestyle freedom and financial freedom. I didn't know that that existed. And I'm very inspired by the idea that there are millions of people out there who are like I was 10 years ago. They don't know that that exists. And I'm inspired by helping those people realize that it does. Because if I can help somebody kind of snap out of the idea that you're doing something because that's the way that it's supposed to be done, um, then perhaps I can help even just one person um, start creating the future that they want instead of the future that they think they have to have. <laughs> hmm, that's so great. Uh, that's a that's a great. That's almost a mission, not just inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So, what what are your feelings about gratitude? Has gratitude helped you in in the last ten years? Oh my gosh, immensely. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't tell you who it's by right now. So, um, but I can tell you the quote is um, the more the more grateful, oh shoot, something to the effect of the more gratitude that you express for the things you have, the more that you will be grateful for. I butchered it, something along those lines. But I really do believe the more gratitude that we can have and share and express, it not only is a positive thing for us as individuals, but that translates to the people around us. And I think that that is so huge. Um, Yeah, gratitude has 
really helped me change my perspective on a lot of things. Um, it centered me a lot more. It's helped me be more present, um, which I struggled with for a really long time. Um, you know, feeling like I needed to be somewhere else or doing something else or with someone else. Or when I was working on business stuff, I felt like I should be with my family. When I was with my family, I felt like I should be working on my business. And, um, you know, so the whole presence factor, I think is really huge as well. Oh, that's so good. So obviously you and John are at a, at a you know, different place, financial freedom. How has that freedom allowed you to, to contribute? Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've been so lucky to be a part of so many different organizations. Um, Pencils of Promise was one of the first organizations that we teamed up with to help build schools in developing countries. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a really incredible project. We built three schools and we still contribute to making programs within those schools possible. Um, that's a really special project. Um, Hal Elrod um, of the Miracle Morning also has organizations that we've contributed to. Um, there are multiple organizations where we live in Puerto Rico now and just within our community, um, there's an organization called PAW, which is Palmas Animal Welfare, which helps with the stray animals and finding animals' homes, um, specifically dogs and cats. Um, and there are a lot of organizations that we're able to contribute to here. After Hurricane Maria, um, we put a lot of uh, funds into organizations that were here helping rebuild. And so, I mean, being able to to give back in that way is incredibly fulfilling. And, you know, being able to do that is a huge motivator in continuing to do what we do because without, you know, the financial freedom that we have. And I know that for many people, they would love to give to organizations. Um, and so the fact that we can, I'm incredibly grateful for that. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely. So how, how important is character or professional development been as, as a part of your journey? Um, big. I mean, character development and, you know, pushing. I, I think of when I think of professional development, character development, you know, I think a lot about the ways in which I've stretched myself and gotten way outside of my comfort zone. I mean, I still feel like I do that almost every day with things. Um, and that's a real like growth. Uh, it's not easy to do, you know, to constantly be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is, is a challenge. Um, but I think it's absolutely the reason why I'm here today, why I'm able to do what I do, um, why John and I are able to do what we do together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's integral that people, focus on that and that that is a priority. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think people misunderstand the, the comfort zone, right? I, obviously, mm -hmm. it's real easy for us to just fall into this, you know, rhythm of staying comfortable. But really, it's our brain trying to protect ourselves. Like, mm. you know, things that are outside our comfort zone are the things that kill us and eat us, you know, at least that's as far as our brain's concerned. So that public speaking, that starting a podcast, that going live on Facebook, that those are tigers that are going to eat you. And, and you have to push against that. Obviously, remind yourself, I mean, the first thing is 
you mentioned way, way earlier is, you know, what's the worst that could happen, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. What's what's the worst that could happen? And obviously it's not really getting eaten by a lion. It's, it's oh, the worst that could happen is, you know, somebody gives you a, a thumbs down, right? Like, and who cares? <laughs> right, and that's devastating, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's uh, but it really is, our brain is, is still wired and programmed to protect us from those things that we, we aren't familiar with those things that are you know right outside the cave and uh and and i think that's a challenge for a lot of people to push past yeah and then you Absolutely. get that imposter voice in your head telling you the same kinds of things who don't do that people are going to laugh at you they're going to think you're silly uh and then yeah. when those voices come from your own family like oh that'll never work you can't do that and of course i think people are starting to recognize that the 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 job security that existed 20 years ago, 30 years ago is no longer a reality in our world. Yep. Like, yeah. you know, you, you've got a better chance of doing it on your own than you do of trusting a job to take care of you and your family. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when you, when you don't have, uh, or if you are currently around people who are, you know, putting down your ideas or telling you that that's never going to happen, like you're battling against your own mind. You don't need to battle against the other people do. Um, so make sure, I mean, I've, I've learned over the past 10 years who I want to have business conversations with and who I don't want to have business conversations with. Um, and that's been really helpful for me. Like if I know that somebody's not incredibly supportive of what I'm doing, then I don't talk about it with them because I don't need yet another person telling me that it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> that's so good. All right. So what's the big dream? Wow. Gosh, you know what? In so many ways, I feel like I'm living it. I really do. I mean, John and I have a beautiful home. We live in an incredible community filled with supportive and driven people. Uh, we have families who we absolutely love um, that we get to see often. We get to travel. Uh, we get to, you know, help support other organizations, our virtual team. Um, our virtual team's been with us for nine years. We have two employees in the Philippines and one in Pakistan. And, you know, to know that we help contribute to their families um, and we've got each other. So. Mm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right. So young entrepreneurs sitting across the table, you guys just finished your, your cafe. And what, what would be your, your, your words of wisdom, Kate's words of wisdom for an entrepreneur. It's never going to be perfect. Just take the first step and start. Mm, so good. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate what a great conversation. And I'm just looking forward to, to seeing where, where John and you can take entrepreneurs on fire and continue raising up more entrepreneurs. Thank you so much. And ditto. I'm excited to hear more updates on whether or not your or when your wife decides to quit her job and join you. So thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our chat as well. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. We have a free gift for you at add value, the number two, entrepreneurs.com. Our Cyber December deals include one-hour coaching slots for only $97. That's a 75% savings. And we're launching new Inner Circle Team Coaching in 2022. Applications are open in December.
at add value, the number two, life.com. In our next episode, Tony and Allison talk about the challenges of buying a dying business and how the turnaround in mindset made it work, how they crafted a vision for their business of family first. Building a business is about being yourself. And for Tony and Allison, that means their family is involved. So the office is a place where their kids play and their golden retriever sits in on meetings.